The following is a presentation of the Connection Church, a place where people are being set free. If you'd like to know more information about our community, you can join us online at connectionchurchnc.com. How many of y'all believe what you just sang? I mean, <laughs> like that's what we're here for. <laughs> like that's why I'm standing on this stage. And I hope that's why you are here. Is because either you believe that there was a guy that came down from heaven as God's son lived a perfect life, died, and rose again. Either you believe that, or you're trying to figure it out. And that's why you're here. How many believe that song? In, uh, in Acts chapter 2, there's this story and it deals with what happened after that song. (laughs) When the disciples came and saw the empty tomb, they said, okay, what do we do now? (laughs) Jesus shows up, he hangs out with them and he ascends into heaven and then they go, what do we do now? What do we do now? What's next? That's what I want to talk about this morning. Do you remember when you were a kid and, and you used to pretend things? Anybody, anybody have like crazy wild imagination? Dude, that was me, alright? I told my, my kindergarten teacher that I had like a cousin in Alaska and I mean, I don't know why. You know what I'm saying? And, and like... And I went to the doctor one time, and the doctor came. I was like, I don't know, five or six or something like that. And the doctor came out to my parents and said, "Um, we can't find the tubes that are in his ears. And my mom said, that's because he doesn't have tubes in his ears. Because I said I had tubes in my ears. I don't know why. Like, I don't know. I've always had an imagination. I always like to pretend things. You know, most little girls, when they're growing up, they, they like to be princesses, right? And they, and they like to, to play house and play marriage and, and, and play all of these kind of things. And, and, and when, when little boys, um, when, they're, when they're small, they're superheroes, right? And, and, uh, and Spider-Man and Superman and all these things, man, they're just options, right? They're just options for, for, for little boys to pick. And they like to play war and heroes and, and all these, these different things. They pretend... Now, now, um, check out a couple pictures real quick. First of all, this is my daughter. Um, uh, right, if you see up on her head there, that's like a day or two after she just got gashed in the head, like nine or 11 stitches or something like that. So that was fun. Um, but, uh, but she is a princess. Like she's got the dresses to prove it. And, and, and she acts like a princess. And, and then, you know, she'll be dressed up like that. And uh, if you notice, she's also holding a Hulk doll, okay? We like to keep our children balanced, okay? Um, a little feminine, a little, a little masculine, you know, that's how we, that's how we handle things. And, um, 
um, uh, she has this like ballet dress, uh, tutu, whatever that thing is, that she puts on and she'll run around the house and say, Daddy, watch me dance. And, and she dances around in all these different outfits and, and she doesn't think she needs ballet lessons because she knows ballet. I mean, she's already got this thing figured out. She's got the dress, right? If you have the dress, then you obviously have an identity of, of that. So she, she pretends that way. And then this one, the next one, this is my son, Liam, all right? Um, so, so this is, this is, uh, yes, um, (laughs) listen, in my house, um, clothing is completely optional for my child, all right? Um, he, he does what he does, all right? Because he is who he is. And, uh, um, you might think that he's, you know, playing his little drum set there in his living room, but in reality, in his mind, he is playing in front of like thousands of people, all right, at the biggest stadium that you can think of. He is a rock star. That is, it's, I don't know what it is um, about music, but man, it's like in his genes, it's in his heartbeat. He just, he loves that stuff. You give him a set of sticks and he, he goes nuts. So that's, that's, uh, that's my son. Um, but you know, how the story goes. Um, they grow up, right? And, and little bit by little bit, the older the kids get, the less they pretend and, and the less that they make believe that they're princesses and rock stars and, and all these kind of things. And they become adults in this alternate reality that they used to live in when they were children stops. We grow up. We stop playing house and we actually buy one. We stop playing marriage and we actually get married although sometimes I think we all still pretend sometimes in our marriages and in our homes the same story is true for us when it comes to our faith you know we have this rich intense experience with Jesus And we come to Christ and we're so excited and we're on fire for Him and we just want to change this world. We just want to tell everybody we know. And then day by day, little bit by little bit, the reality of the world sets in. The joy that we had, that feeling of invincibility because of who Jesus is in our lives, man, it's gone. Have you ever wondered, man, what ever happened when I used to go to church and I just, something was real. Like I could see Jesus. I could feel Jesus. I could meet with God. What, whatever happened, man, why am I just going through the motions? I don't know why you came in here this morning. I don't know where you stand. But I would wager that some of you are feeling like, man, I'm just going through the motions I know the answers. I've heard all the stuff. I've seen people get saved. I've been saved. I remember. But man, what happened? Why am am I doing this? I've been down that road. And if you're anything like me, you can look back at your life and you can see this roller coaster of emotions. In moments of faith and moments of, of frustration and fear and worry and all these kind of things, we can see that. And it affects our church attendance. It affects our families. And if I'm being completely transparent, it affects the way I feel about my connection to Jesus. I wonder, is He still there? 
Is this thing even real? What I just sat there and experienced and sang, man, do I truly, really, really believe that? Or am I just here because that's what we do in the South? That's what we do in America. We just do these things. If you bear with me this morning, I want to share briefly one of the reasons why I think this happens. So if you will, jump to Acts chapter 2. As I said, um, it'll be be up on the screen. This This is the story of what happened after Jesus left earth. Okay, and his disciples are left there and they're like, what do we do? Jesus said, hang out in Jerusalem and just wait. And then something called Pentecost happens. All right, 3,000 people come to Jesus within a matter of minutes. Talk about a mega church, all right? Talk about like crazy growth. There was 120 people that followed Jesus and then Peter gives this first gospel message and 3,000 people come to Christ. And and that's conservative because most of the time they only count the men. So there could have been six or ten or who knows how many thousand of people. It's crazy. And so what what I want to do is just read this and kind of outline this faith community and and look at how they became a world-changing force. All right, watch this. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. Hang out right there for a second. I I wish that I had time to unpack every single one of these verses, but I don't this morning. So I want to hang on this verse 44 for a second. All who believed were together and they had all things in common. Guys, one of the things that I believe that Jesus is, is Jesus is bringing us together. Jesus brings us together. Jesus is community. Jesus is cohesive. He's magnetic. And he's like, super glue that binds every single one of us no matter no matter what our our financial status is no matter what our jobs are no matter what our skin color is no matter who we are or where we come from if we claim Christ he binds every single one of us and notice man this isn't a a detailed how to list of of how to do a good church service Alright, it doesn't say you need to welcome everybody for five minutes and then you need to play two songs and then you need to get somebody to come up and speak and then you need to shake hands again and then you need to give some money and then you got to do this and do that. No, it's not a checklist of how to run a good church service. These are transcendent truths. They are things that are applicable to all of history, all walks of life. It doesn't matter what type of church you come from or what type of church you go to. These things apply. They are spiritual benchmarks for the church. They're not preferences. They're not good ideas. These are things that keep us together. And so this morning, I want to talk about what it means when it says all who believed they were together and had all things in common. 
See, remember, at least 3,000 people are following Jesus at this point. Right? At this point in history, there's at least 3,000 people that say, I'm a follower of Jesus. Okay, So a huge question as I study this that started bouncing around in my brain for days is this. How did they get that many people to stay unified? I mean, I believe the scripture's true. And it says they were all together and they had everything in common. So how did they get 3,000 or more people to stay unified? This verse blows my mind. Now, I know God does impossible things, but literally, getting 3,000 people to be all on the same page, I mean, it's like herding cats, right? God, God doesn't, um, I, I'm not, maybe God doesn't really know church people all that well, okay? But, but think, think through this, 3,000 people being all on the same page, man, I would, I would more easily accept God raising the dead than this verse right here. It's, I mean, it literally blows my mind. How did he do this? I don't know. The scripture says it, so I got to believe this. What blows my mind is that for hundreds and hundreds of years, the church has been known and identified by what separates us. Think about it. I believe that you should, you got to baptize people by immersion. Well, I believe that you can sprinkle them. Well, since we can't agree on baptism, I guess we got to start another denomination. There's literally a denomination that split up because some people believe you should baptize people forward and, and other people believe you should baptize people backward. We are known to the world outside Christianity by what separates us. Baptists believe you can't lose your salvation. Methodists believe you can. Well, guess what? We should separate because we can't agree. Let's start some denominations. Let's, if you can't agree, let's split up. Man, is that godly? I don't think so. And what's crazy about this is we're not just talking about one church. When it says they were all together and they had everything in common, we're not talking about just, just one little church. We're not talking about like just Connection Church, right? A few hundred people. We're talking about pockets of little pockets, hundreds of little micro home churches all over Jerusalem thousands of people that literally gathered together in these little homes and in these little places to worship, to hang out, to spend time together. And it says they were all together. They had everything in common. (laughs) Picture this in our community. The Baptists and the Methodists and the Lutherans and the Catholics and the non-denominationals and the so on and so forth, the church of God, and fill in the blank, whatever it is, could you imagine all of them coming together and having all things in common? (laughs) Talk about a miracle. Talk about something that would blow my mind. See, I think the solution 
is in answering this question. What is it that they had in common? What are the all things? It says they had all things. What are these all things that they had in common? You see, I don't think the all things included stuff like whether or not you should baptize by dunking or by sprinkling. I don't think the all things included a dress code. Like you got to wear a three-piece suit when you come to church, or you got to wear a liturgical robe, or you got to wear blue jeans and a t-shirt. I don't think the all things included any of that stuff. In fact, the more that I thought about this, the more I began to realize this. In order to have all things in common, we must have very little In order for all of us to get on the same page, we have to have very little things. Now, I'm not here to debate what all these all things are, but I can basically sum it up in two things. You ready for this? Love God and love people. Love God and love people. That's it. You want to talk about all things in common? Do everything you can to love God and do everything you can to love people. If, if in my own life, I am so busy concerning myself with what type of car I drive and what type of clothes I wear and what type of house I live in and what type of job that I don't like that I'm in that I need to go get another one and what kind of vacation my family's going to go on and what kind of dinner I'm going to have tonight and what kind of this and what kind of that and I really want this and I really want that. Guess what? There's not going to be a whole lot of room in my brain (laughs) To love God and to love others. There's not going to be a lot of space in my brain to even consider getting on the same page as other people when I have all these rules and all these regulations and all these must-haves and won't-dos and all that kind of stuff. Go downtown and serve pizza? No, I can't do that. It's a different, different race. It's a different group of people down there. I'm not, I'm not familiar. I'm not used to that. I can't, I'm not doing it. It's time to stop, church, being known by what separates and what segregates and begin being known by what binds us together. The all things. Love God and love others. And that is all that Jesus Christ came for. That is all that he wants us to do is to fall madly in love with our God and realize what our God did for us by sending Jesus and getting so stinking excited that we just sang a song saying forever, forever, he's crucified, forever, he's glorified. He is in heaven interceding for us right now, getting so stinking excited about that that we will tell anybody, don't care if they're smoking crack, Don't care if they're black or they're white or they're green or they have a bunch of money or they have no money or they have a car or don't have a car. We stink and tell everybody. Right? (laughs) 
we got to stop. <laughs> if all I care about is loving God and loving others, if I'm willing to do whatever it takes to do that, <laughs> that frees up a whole lot of space in my brain. Right? I don't have to worry about what kind of car I'm driving. Man, I'm, I'm going to confess something to y'all. I wasn't going to do this, but I'm going to. Um, for the last couple weeks, uh, I had in my mind, like, you know, Scott said that, that I'm going to be doing something downtown, and, and we're praying about what God's wanting us to do there and all that kind of stuff. And, and I've just spent a lot of time there. And, and, and one of the things that, I, that God, or no, let me, let me back that up. One of the things that I feel like <laughs> that I needed in order to do this is a truck. Um, because I get phone calls a lot of, man, I got a table and chairs that I need to deliver down here. I got this, I got that. Can you come pick it up? And all this kind of stuff. And going and finding trucks to borrow and all that stuff started getting to be a hassle. And so I started thinking, man, I need a truck, God. I need one. And uh, literally, like I'm ashamed to say this, but it literally hindered me from, being, from doing things. It hindered me from being able to go do things because I'm spending time getting on Craigslist and Truck Trader and all these kind of things trying to find a truck. How ridiculous is that? And like one day, God slapped me in the face. I was like, what are you doing? You have a vehicle. You have access to trucks. Why in the world are you spending your time trying to go find a truck when somebody needs a refrigerator so that they can have food, so that they can get their physical need met, so that their heart and their mind can be open to the gospel. What are you doing, Brent? My God has wrecked me over that. Over a dumb truck. <laughs> How silly am I? Friends, the message is simple. And that's what Jesus is wanting this life here on earth to be about. Taking his message of salvation wherever you go to whoever will receive it. Everything else is inconsequential. If you live in a mansion, that's awesome. Praise God. If you live in a box, praise God. Guess what? In the neighborhood where the mansion is, there's a bunch of people who don't know Jesus. In the cracker box you're living in, there's a bunch of people that don't know Jesus. We have a mission. And by the way, when we have that mindset, it frees us up. It forces us to be in community with other believers. I'm getting pushed outside of my comfort zone on a daily basis. And in order for me to survive as a follower of Christ, I cannot do this on my own. I have to take people with me. I have to be involved in a group. I have to, be, I have to surround myself with people that have this same vision and this same heart. Watch this. I'm just going to run through these scriptures really quick. It says in verse 45, this is what they did. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Now, does that sound like any church in, in today? I mean, any church today. Do we all put out and say, you know what, I'm gonna, I'll sell all my stuff. Could you imagine if as a collective whole, Connection Church said, we're going to figure out the necessities that we have to live on and we're going to get rid of everything else. And then we're going to all put our money together 
And if anybody has a need, we'll meet it. Could you imagine what this would look like? This is not a good story. This is real. Do you believe it? This is real. It says, day by day, they attended the temple together. They broke bread in their homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God, having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And that's what church looks like. Yesterday, down on Green Street handing out pizzas, I had church. We don't have to come here to have church. Now, I'm not saying we, we don't need this. We do. I need this. I get tired, and I need to be filled up. But listen, if this right here is your only source of fuel to propel your spiritual life, you are going to hit empty by Monday afternoon. Okay? If this is all that you got, it's going to be awesome. We're going to raise our hands. We're going to praise Jesus. We're going to get excited. By Monday afternoon, 99% of us are going to be going, dang, I'm empty. What, where's that? Where was that song? Where's that forever song? Where's that? Man, let's, let's you know, Andy, can you come to my work and just play in the background? You know what I'm saying? Come on. Yes, bring it. Bring the Holy Spirit. He just came right here. That's good. Dang. So picture this. As I was kind of thinking through this, this is the the picture that I had in my mind, all right? Um, Because we're all good Christians in here, none of us watch poker, okay? None of us play poker, heaven forbid. But um, if, if we did, okay, or if you ever stumbled upon it as you're watching the sinful box that's in your living room, okay, um, poker was on, right? Um, I've seen those movies like, you know, the, uh, the oceans, uh, oceans 11 and 12 and whatever that is, and, and the, uh, the ones about like playing cards and casinos and stuff like that. Um, there's this one picture that I have in my mind is this, where, you know, they got like stacks and stacks of those poker chips. And, uh, and they're, they're like, you know, that the, the person has like a really bad hand and, uh, and they're trying to bluff, right? And they take all of it and they go, I'm all in. I'm all in. Don't know what you got, I'm all in. Guys, that's what Jesus is asking us to do. Guess what? Without him, you have a crappy hand. You're going to lose in the end. It's going to stink for you. And guess what? If you become a follower of Jesus, your hand might not get any better. But there's hope for eternity with Him. And just based on that fact alone, I'm willing to take every single chip that I've got on the table and say, God, I am all in. You can have my family, you can have my car. You can have my dreams. You can have my job. You can have my clothes. You can have whatever. 
I will give it all to you. You want me to give something away, Jesus? Yes, I'm in. I want to change my job, but you want me to stay here? Okay, I'm in. Because I know that whatever you have for me is exponentially greater than I could ever experience. (laughs) Man, when we live this way, just like it says at the end of these verses, the byproduct is this. You praise God, verse 47, you praise God, you have favor with all the people. And guess what? You not only get to experience favor with people, but you get to take part in watching other people come to know Jesus. It's the greatest gift that we can experience on this earth. God adds to the numbers and we take part. Guys, this is not pretend. Jesus is not playing church. Okay? Jesus is not playing church. This is real. We are in a real life battle for souls. And the only way that we're going to experience watching people come to Jesus is if we put it all in and we do it together. (laughs) Guess what? I can't survive without you guys. We are a faith community. We are a family. And I want to encourage you this morning, if you believe this stuff, if you believe that Jesus is real and that acts really happen and the church did all of the things that they say, you are you all in or are you just playing church are you just coming checking your list doing your thing really just serving your own self doing your own thing don't just pretend to be a part of church anymore telling you you're not going to last get involved in this faith community get plugged in go serve be a part of a small group give back to the children this generation behind us that desperately needs to know about Jesus and we're built for this God built us for community with each other. (laughs) So, here's what I want to do. Um, We're going to sing a song. It's called, My Heart is Yours. Think about these words and I want you to ask God, God, is my heart yours? Because if it's not, don't sing the song. Literally, picture you taking all of your things 
and whatever, your cares, your concerns, your wishes, your desires, and putting it all on the table and saying, God, my heart's yours, all of it. My passions, everything is yours, God. If that's you this morning, I want you to sing this song as loud as you stinking can. And if it's not you, and you want to give that up this morning, man, now's the time. Maybe you've been on the fence about this Jesus thing to begin with. And so here's the deal. With every eye open and every head up, I want to ask you, who needs to go all in this morning? Maybe for the first time. And say, Jesus, I'm all in. If you've never accepted Christ before, if you've never said you want to follow Him, today's your day. Who's willing to go all in for the first time? It's not easy. (laughs) Let's pray. God, thank you so much (laughs) for moving and working around. Pray that we would just give you everything, Jesus. Love you, Lord. I pray that we would sing this song with every fiber of our being, every passion, God, in our heart. Love you, God. In your name, amen. Stand and sing this song with us.